Welcome to Mile Repeats, a mini version of my Run This World with Nicole DeBoom podcast. I'm Nicole DeBoom, former pro athlete turned entrepreneur and podcast host. With Mile Repeats, I bring you short snippets from people who are willing to share their life lessons in the hopes that it will help us feel less alone in this crazy world. All in the time it takes for us to walk or run a mile, that's 8 to 20 minutes roughly, give or take a few hundred meters. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Well, let's uh, let's get started here. I am so excited to have you on the show today, Dana Schweitzer of somewhere in North Dakota. Where again? Bismarck, state capital. Oh, so, duh. So. The only city everyone knows, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, pretty much. Maybe, <laughs> actually, they may know Fargo. Oh, um, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, and then... Possibly Grand Forks because the college has a pretty good um, hockey team. So, got it. Well, <laughs> no matter where you are, you are doing really cool things. And um, I'm really excited to talk to you about today's topic. Even though it's a really hard topic, we came together because you have such a passion for helping other people get through loss like you had to go through many years ago. Right. Yep. So let's just start out by uh, disclosing the fact that you are a skirt sports ambassador. I am a skirt sport ambassador. It's my first year and I'm so excited um, to be an ambassador. I love the products and i I just couldn't be more happy to be an ambassador. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole thing is that we come together through a shared passion for health and fitness. And, right. you know, the crazy thing is that you found your path to health and fitness through a very, very difficult event that you had to go through in your life. Yeah. Um, so um, on September 10th, 2008, my husband and I, and our oldest daughter um, lost our youngest daughter, Lakin. Um, she died. She passed away suddenly at, um, she was almost 11 months old. Um, and it was after my loss um, that I found myself just kind of in a complete funk. And um, I had thought about running. And that's kind of exactly what I did one little step, one minute at a time. Um, I use the couch potato to 5K to um, start my running process because prior to losing our daughter, I had never, you know, I had run a mile in gym only because we had to. And I did run um, a little bit of cross country in junior high. But outside of that, running was not something I enjoyed doing at all. Well, and, you know, when you're going through loss like that, Maybe you can take us through let's let's back let's back it up. Okay. You had an infant baby mm-hmm. who yes. maybe tell us a little more about you know how she passed away and and the you know the path that you went through right afterwards where you had to deal with I don't know just sort of surviving the moment and being with your family. Yeah, absolutely. Um so Lakin was born on October 16th, 2007. Um, she was a very healthy eight pound, uh, three ounce baby girl. Um, she had no complications 
at all. Um, she was very healthy. Um, you know, and of course, as a mom, you make it through that six months and then you're just like, woohoo, you know, I don't have to worry about SIDS and I don't have, you know, I just, we thought we were in the clear of any major complication. Um, but on September 10th, 2008, I, um, dropped Lakin off at daycare and, um, went to work. And about two and a half hours later, I received a phone call from my husband, um, who had said that Lakin had stopped breathing at daycare. Um, and so, of course, you know, I rushed to the hospital by coworkers because they didn't feel that I should drive um, and was at the hospital and went into her um, ER room and told her she couldn't leave, you know, that she had to come back to me. And at that time, they were doing CPR and resusc- trying to resuscitate her because she was she wasn't breathing. She still hadn't but she still hadn't come back. Um And my husband and I were in a room just across the hall from from where she was when the doctor came in and said that there was nothing more that they could do, that she was gone. Um, And of course, our whole life just came crashing down in a moment. Um, All of the symptoms at that time pointed to SIDS, which, as we know, is an unexplained death of a child um, up to a year of age, not six months. Um, my family was 100 miles away. Um, my husband's family or his mom and dad were on their way to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, so they had to rush back and I had to call my parents and tell them what had happened. Um, and my brother's, my husband's brother actually, um, was working here in, is working, was working here in Bismarck. And so we called him and it was, thankfully for him, he really was our rock, was my rock during that time um, because he had visited with hospital staff um, and we had decided at that time to donate their tissues. Um, And the only tissues at that time that we were able to donate was her heart valves. And it was because of that donation that we actually, I feel that we found the true cause of death, which was myocarditis, which is a viral infection of the heart. Um, It's not genetic. It can affect anybody at any time, um, whether you're young or old. Um, And so it was through that, that, you know, I felt if I needed to be here for the long term, I needed to make my heart healthy and strong. And what better way to do that than to pick up running? Oh, my gosh. What a... um, It's just shocking. It's shocking. It's shocking to hear about it. Now, even many years later, it's shocking as a person who doesn't really know you or be, you know, I'm not in your inner circle. And the first thought I have is, as a mom myself, like, what was going through your mind when you got that phone call where she was still alive, but wasn't breathing. So they were sort of sustaining her trying to get her to breathe again. No, her heart had actually fully stopped. Um, She was unresponsive. Um, I, I guess I really don't, um, you know, I, all I know is when I got to the hospital, she was unresponsive. They were, um, breathing for her. Um, they were doing, you know, the, the CPR on her, trying to get her heart, um, to start again. And I just remember running through my head, you know, when I got that phone call, um, 
like, okay, she's going to come back just like it does in the movies. They're going to be able to get her to come back. I mean, I just kept thinking, you know, like you see in the movies that they're going to be able to get her to come back and, and that everything's going to be fine and it's going to be a miracle. Um, but you know, like they say, some, it was just an unanswered prayer that she didn't come back. Um, and I'm, it's almost kind of a blessing in a way, because had she, had they been able to revive her, the damage on her heart could have been, you know, she, it's possible that she may have needed a heart transplant or that her life could have been altered because of the damage done to her heart. I don't know exactly how much damage was done, but if you look up myocarditis, it's an infection and it can, it can kill off or cause damage to the heart. So, um, but yeah, it was, um, it was a struggle. Um, I remember the first night not being able to sleep. Um, and I used Tylenol free or not Tylenol free, um, Tylenol PM or Advil PM to help me sleep for three to six months because I couldn't get my brain to shut off. Um, because I, I didn't know anybody, you know, nobody in my inner circle, um, had lost a child, um, not even a miscarriage. So I felt, I felt very alone and having to continue to be a mom because I had at that time, I had a three and a half year old daughter who, who needed a mom. Um, so I couldn't just, I couldn't crawl in a hole and, and just die. I had to continue to live and I had to figure out how I was going to do that. Um, and it took a while. I mean, it took, it took quite a while for me to figure out how to continue to, to go on with life because as a parent, all I wanted to do was to die with her. So you got through those early days, barely, Mm -hmm. it sounds like barely. Um, tell me about, yeah. Tell us about like your support network. Um, you know, my, my immediate family, my husband's family, um, was fabulous. Um, my friends were very supportive of, um, of me and everything that I wanted, you know, just, they were there for us, which was to get through that first year is, was a blessing. Um, because a month after we buried Lakin, we then had to celebrate her first birthday without her. Um, which was very, it was difficult, um, to say the least, uh, just because she wasn't there. I mean, when you celebrate that first birthday, it's supposed to be a big, joyous occasion. And for us, we were celebrating it without her. Um, and I have celebrated every birthday since then without her. Um, but I started attending um, a local support group here in, in town. Um, and that helped me tremendously because I I came to the realization that I wasn't alone and that there were other people right here in our community that had lost a child. Um, and my husband and I also, and our daughter then, um, around the one year anniversary of her, of our loss, we went to face lodge in Danbury, Wisconsin, um, which is a beautiful secluded lodge, um, which they, deal or 
their primary focus is to help families who have lost a child or are dealing with a terminally ill child. Um, and they have criteria to be able to attend or be able to go to, to Danbury and they operate, um, they operate similar to a, a Ronald McDonald house. So they don't turn anybody away because they can't afford it. The day there is, is very um, inexpensive. So a beautiful private, you know, they, they're, they strive very much on keeping the secrecy or the um, people who are there private so that, you know, it's, it's hard to explain until you actually go there. I mean, it's, the the grounds are very secluded by trees and it was just a very nice place to go um, and just really kind of cut ourselves off you know not have cell phones um, don't check email you know we really just went off grid for an entire week and spent time together as a family honoring and remembering Lakeham. Wow and so that was a really important part of your healing or moving forward process? Yeah, it was, um, you know, just kind of really, um, the, the things that we did there, um, you know, we made a birdhouse and, um, just really got to, um, just honor her. They have a place or something that they do where you go and you find a rock and you, paint this rock however you choose however you want and you go to their bridge they have this bridge and you leave the rock there um and it that was it was it was wonderful to be able to decorate the rock as a family and to go leave that rock together as a family um it's just something that all of us will never forget and so what did that symbolize for you that you were able to leave it there? Um, it just kind of really symbolized just, you know, not forgetting her that even though she's not with us or that I can't see that rock every day, that she's still here with me. Um, you know, I carry her with me in my heart, um, the memories of her, just everything that no matter no matter what, that she's always still just a part of us and a part of our family. Because is there a fear or a guilt you have of moving your life and continuing to live and that, you know, you may not have her in the forefront of your mind all the time? Or, you know, is that something that happens in times of loss like this? I think so, you know, because as a parent and as, you know, whoever you lose, life continues on, but they're not here. Um, and so you have to continue on and somehow figure out how to continue on, even though they're not here. And, you know, I have done other things to remember her or to honor her, even though she's not here with me today. Um, and I do it very, how do I want to say, I, I do it without being completely in your face about it. I do it just as a very nice gesture um, to help others so that they're not like, oh my gosh, you know, poor her. Um, because that was never, that's never been my intent. I've never wanted people to 
feel sorry for me because I don't feel sorry for myself. Um, you know, sometimes I have a woe is me moment, but I'm able to get on, you know, let it happen, let that feeling be. And then I move on and I move forward. But yeah, as a parent, it is hard to not have them here and continue to live and, you know, take those family vacations and take those family photos, knowing that they're not part of that family vacation or they're not part of that Mm. family photo. Yeah. And October coming up here is an important month for remembering, right? It is. Um, October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Month, and it actually was um, Ronald Reagan actually declared the first Pregnancy and Infant Loss Month back in 1988. Um, So that's really, I don't know, kind it's really wonderful that that month has been around and declared for so long, but yet a lot of people know October as Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but October, you know, it's not well known for pregnancy and infant loss, which is sad. Well, and, you know, from your perspective, when you realized you weren't alone, when you mentioned going to that early support network, Uh It seems as if this opened your eyes to maybe looking at other people or looking at the world in a different way, because you don't know when people have gone through serious loss like this. Nope. You know, as as we say in support group, it's not like we have a tattoo tattooed on our forehead saying, you know, I've lost a child. Um, You know, you can walk past somebody and they could have experienced a loss of a child or a miscarriage and you would never know. Um, And it wasn't until, you know, I lost a child that people came forward and said, you know, I had a miscarriage or, you know, I lost a child as well. And it just really, it does, it opens your eyes like, wow, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. And it just really, it, 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 for me, it was very comforting knowing that I wasn't alone and that there was other people who I could talk to when I felt like I was going crazy and they'd be like, no, 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 that that those feelings of grief that you're that you have are normal and that everything that you're experiencing is normal and and that it's OK. Do you have um, advice or thoughts for people who are in the earlier or later stages and really struggling with loss right now? Um. The one biggest thing that I can say is that, you know, grief is unique to you. I can tell you what helped me through my grief, but it may not help you. Um, you know, grief is is unique and that everybody is going to grieve differently. Uh, you know, I'm grieving differently than even my husband, my daughter. You know, we each all grieve differently and, and we have to do our own thing, Um to get through it. And and it's okay. Um, You know, if you want to read a book, read books, if you want to talk, talk, Um, you know, just make sure that you find those healthy, those healthy coping mechanisms, and you don't go down those dark rabbit holes that some people can go down to. Um, Because with grief, you have to walk through it, you can't walk around it. Oh, that's a good one. Well, we have come up on our 
time limit of uh, for our mile repeats episode, and I often end with a final nugget that you have to help our listeners run their worlds in a bigger and better way. Do you have another piece of advice um, for our listeners so that they can better embrace the worlds that they live in despite the loss they go through? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, each day is a is a gift. It's a blessing. Um, and to live each day to the fullest because you never know when when it's your time. 